We're live with JavaScript Air. Hello, everyone. My name is Ken C. Dodds, and I am your host for JavaScript Air, this JavaScript broadcast podcast that uh, is awesome. Um, so today we're going to be talking about getting started with the uh, web audio. This is episode 33. And uh, yeah, so before we get into our subject uh, with our subject matter experts, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors that make many of the cool things about the show possible. So first, Egghead.io, the show's premier sponsor has a huge library of bite-sized web development training videos. Check them out for content on JavaScript, Angular, React, Node, and more. And Egghead.io is, um, is the host of two free courses from Dan Abramoff. Find them at um, egghead.io slash redux. And Frontend Masters is a recorded expert-led workshop with courses on advanced JavaScript, asynchronous, um, and functional JS, as well, as well as lots of other great courses on front-end topics and uh, Webpack and open source uh, workshops coming up next month from yours truly. I've spent countless hours and lost so much sleep, so I'd love for you to show up. Um, and then uh, Track.js reports bugs in your JavaScript before customers notice them, and with their telemetry timeline, you'll have the context to actually fix them. Check them out and start tracking JavaScript errors today at trackjs.com. And WebStorm is a powerful JavaScript IDE. It makes developers more productive with its super intelligent code assistance for JavaScript, Node, Angular, and React, and, and integration with different tools. Uh, learn more at jetbrains.com webstorm. And finally, Trading Technologies is looking for passionate and inventive full-stack JavaScript developers who want to work on cutting-edge solutions in a collaborative and challenging environment. Go help them build the top-choice platform to, for derivative traders. All right, sweet. So because this is a live show, we can interact with you, our audience, and so if you have any questions, uh, feel free to field them on Twitter with the hashtag JSAirQuestion. And I've got it open right here. I will uh, monitor that, and we will uh, get your questions answered toward the end of the show. Um, and then also remember that this is indeed a, a weekly show. So next week, we're going to be talking about typed functional programming in JavaScript. This is going to be an awesome show. We'll have uh, Phil Freeman, Jordan Walk, Richard Feldman, and Alfonso uh, garcia uh, Caro, I'm pretty sure that's how you say his last name. Um, really, really awesome developers uh, from various communities, PureScript, Elm, uh, React, and recently OCaml and Reason. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic episode. I recommend you check it out. Same time, same place next week. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, uh, introduce everybody. So, uh, like I said, I'm your host, Kent C. Dodds, and f uh, with us today for our guests, we have Chris Lois. Hi, everyone. And Alejandro, uh, I can't pronounce the rest of your name, Alejandro. <laughs> Alex is okay as well. Hello, everybody. You go by Alex? Alex or Alejandro. Uh, some people struggle. <laughs> so okay. I'm pretty sure I could say Alejandro. Do you want to yeah, say your full name? Uh, so uh, people know who you are? I'm oh, sorry? You want to say your full name? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's Alejandro Mantecon Guillén. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> okay, great. Let's let's go ahead and get an intro to each of you. Um, I'd like to get to know who you are, where you work, um, and what interest you have in, in the Web Audio API. So we'll go ahead and start with Chris. Yeah, hi there. My, uh, my name is Chris Lois. I actually work at an education technology startup in the UK uh, called FutureLearn, but my interest in Web Audio it's kind of predates me working here. Um, I was a research engineer at the BBC and BBC's R&D, and that's when I kind of started working with the Web Audio API very early on and was a kind of founding member of the W3C group that uh, has gone ahead and, and is standardizing the Web Audio API so that it works in all the browsers. And so I, I co-chaired the working group at the W3C for a while, and then since I've left the BBC, I left that responsibility, but I've carried on kind of doing things with Web Audio for fun. Yeah, including my newsletter, Web Audio Weekly, which is uh, kind of a source of news and links uh, about Web Audio, which I send out probably not weekly, like monthly if you're lucky, but it comes out when I've got things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah, sounds like something people should subscribe to. Uh, thank, thank you for your work on uh, the Web Audio spec. That's great. Um, uh, standardizing that is a good thing. Alejandro, let's uh, hear from you. Yes, yeah, so uh, I am a web and mobile developer. I uh, professionally don't do anything linked to web audio, but I've always been interested in music. And um, you know, since I was young, I I jammed around with my friends. I always tried to experiment with sounds, etc. And I'm also pretty passionate about programming. So the web audio API kind of became the perfect mix of my of my interests. 
and um, I've been I've been uh, playing around with WebAudio for for some time now. I created a small library called uh, PTCato.js, which is in, in GitHub, um, as well as a few projects that you can find there as well. And uh, I can confirm the um, the WebAudio Weekly by Chris is a fantastic resource, which I am subscribed, and you should absolutely subscribe as well. Awesome, great. Let's make sure we get links to all these things that you mentioned in the in the link section in the for the show notes. Um, sweet. So I I think a good way to kick off our conversation uh, is about like like forming a baseline so everybody knows what we're talking about here. So can we get like a a general idea conceptually of what the web audio API is? I can I can have a go, Kent. So the Web Audio API is a way of working um, with sound in, in the browser and in web applications. Um, I guess many of your many of the viewers here today, listeners today, will, will maybe be familiar with things like the HTML audio tag, which allows you to kind of insert a piece of, of audio to play within a within a HTML document. But if you want more granular control over that audio, you want to start it and stop it at a precise time, you want to change the volume of it smoothly over time based on a user's interactions. Those kinds of things have always been quite difficult to do with, with things like the audio tag, and the Web Audio API lets you, lets you do that fundamentally. So, so for building, building any kind of application that needs to work with audio, the Web Audio API is, is the API to use. Interesting. Could you talk about some of the, uh, the things that are possible with the HTML5 audio element? Um, so one of the things that's, I mean, what's possible with the, the audio element is it will decode audio for you. Um, so you can decode MP3 and ARG and the, the kinds of formats that your browser support, and it will allow you to play it and start it and stop it. Um, you can do some simple automation, like change the volume over time um, using uh, hooks into the, the regular kind of DOM um, hooks into JavaScript to do that. But one of the things that you might struggle with, for example, if you're building a game in your browser and you want to have the audio synchronized very accurately with what's happening on screen, so maybe your character, you know, something in the game explodes and you want an explosion sound, if you just try and start, you know, load an audio tag in the background and play the explosion sound, you'll find that it doesn't synchronize very well with what's happening on the screen, and that's because everything in the control environment there is happening in kind of JavaScript's sort of main thread, and you can't really guarantee when things will execute. And so fundamentally, what the Web Audio API lets you do is, is take all of that kind of audio processing out of the main thread and process it in, in somewhere that the browser gives high priority to so that things happen when, when you say they'll happen, so you can schedule things in advance. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a way of, yeah, the, the Audio API is fine for, for its purpose, which is just embedding audio files in documents. Yeah, and um, actually, talking about games, there's also an additional, other than precision, which is clearly a huge advantage, it's also the uh, the filtering and the effects, because sometimes the same audio that you have uh, can be in the context of, uh, of the character being inside a cave, for example, so the reverb that uh, you can listen, you can, you can do this kind of, of addition of, of the audio directly in web audio, or if your character is talking through a phone or behind the wall, um, all of these things can be done without having to download a separate audio file and just by editing the one that you have. Cool, okay, so um, we've talked about games. I think that's kind of an obvious use case for um, for web audio API, like you you know, you know want to have sound effects and stuff as you described, but uh, are, are there any other use cases? Like would I ever want to use the web audio API if I wasn't building a game? I th yeah yeah for sure I mean overall like we can go all the way to mainstream apps sometimes there's a bit of sound to um, that responds to user in to user uh, interaction and user experience like uh, clicking in a button doing the click sound or um, applications such as Skype or Google Hangouts that have these very characteristic sounds but uh, beyond that and I think one of the things I'm, I'm more excited about is um, applications about music creation and audio creation. Uh, up until recently, there's, there's huge uh, applications that are desktop-based, like GarageBand and Logic and stuff like that, that lets you create audio and create music and create multimedia experiences. But uh, they're pretty huge applications that are separate. And the fact that we have now the tools to create this inside the browser, 
it's quite mind-blowing to me for two reasons. The first is that uh, it opens uh, very important tools to a lot more people. So the web is accessible to a huge number of people. And um, almost everybody will have a full-fledged uh, audio programming environment directly in their browser uh, just by opening the console. So that's, that's incredible. And the other one is that it doesn't live in isolation because in the browser we also have other APIs that are wonderful to make 3D, to make um, WebRTC, to make connections between computers, etc. So it 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 not only um, it not only catches up to the level of potential that that desktop uh, applications have. In my opinion, it completely surpasses it because it it builds upon a lot more tools. So. There's definitely a big area for music creation and audio editing software that, that we're going to hopefully see uh, coming up in the, in the next uh, years. Really interesting. So like, would, would you suggest that uh, maybe we're not leveraging the web audio API on the web like, as much as we should? Like, should more apps be leveraging the web audio API? Like, are, there, are there interactions that, uh, that you experience and you're like, oh, like, audio would really enhance this experience? Yes, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, as um, as uh, well. I'm, I'm I'm not a professional musician at all, but I like to play around with instruments. And uh, for instance, the um, not so long ago, I plugged my my guitar into the computer and I started taking that input with web audio and actually uh, started to create effects and delays and this and that. So and, and and there are some projects today of of guitar stomp boxes and guitar effects that can be used, and it's, it's just Super, super fun, and, and there's a lot more of, of that kind of things that could be done. Yeah, and I would also add to that. I think um, I think one of the things that that we're just starting to really get ready for with with web audio is the fact that it it, it does now work in a lot of different browsers, and so so I think it's fair to say that the kinds of applications that people have built up to now have kind of been built by early adopters. So people are really excited about this technology, people who probably have quite a good understanding of how to do kind of audio manipulation anyway in environments like what Alejandro mentioned. Um, but now that we see the kind of the cross-browser compatibility, so web audio is now working pretty, pretty consistently in Firefox, Chrome, and uh, Internet Explorer Edge. Um, it works pretty well in Safari. Um, they, they, they tend to lag a little bit behind with things, um, but, but it works well in, in kind of WebKit-based browsers, and it works well on mobile too. We're then kind of seeing that, that people who would maybe like to use audio for kind of audio icons, for accessibility, for enhancing regular documents to explain concepts a little bit better, that they're now able to start doing that, and it kind of feels like it's the right time. So. So probably the kinds of applications that you might think of building with Web Audio API, don't base them just on the demos that are available today. You know, we're going to see a lot of a lot of things that come along in the pipeline that that um, that really kind of touching a lot of different areas. I think. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'm I'm wondering if maybe like are, are um, would you see a future where like all apps have some sort of effect? Like right now, if I have like on the desktop. Um, Sometimes I'll, I'll like press a button; it'll make a little sound effect. Like you know, Skype comes to mind. They they do all kinds of crazy things, um, but we don't have that same kind of experience n normally on web. So, do you see a future where like I'm on Twitter and I send a tweet and it plays like a little bloop or like something like yeah. that? Is that kind of what you're describing? I th I think so. I mean, I, I mean, as someone who's been kind of programming on the web for for a long time, I kind of remember the the sort of dark days of auto-playing MIDI files when you went to websites and things that would just auto-play. And I think somehow, like, kind of auto-playing music or sounds that play without user interaction have got a really bad rap on the web, and people tend to stay away from them. But like you say, we, we kind of hear these things all the time now. Like, we're used to our, to our devices giving us kind of tactile and auditory feedback um, in terms of, like, the actions that we perform. And so I think people are starting to rediscover that and you know, the, 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 the nice kind of little sound icons and those kind of things are starting to make their way into the web as well, I think. I like that term, sound icons. Like, yeah, yeah, that, I like that. So um, actually just kind of tangential but a little bit curious. Uh, with the, 
I, I know when I'm playing a YouTube video or if I'm on Pandora or Google, Google Music or something, um, on, at least in Chrome, and I think Firefox has this, but like there's a little audio or, or a, a speaker symbol that pops up in my tab. It's really nice, so I know like where the music's coming from. Does that same speaker icon come up when I'm like when something's using the web audio API? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime there's sound popping up, uh, you will see it. So normally you shouldn't have any rogue uh, tab uh, doing stuff that it that shouldn't. And um, I mean, of course, uh, you're talking about this kind of mainstream applications, but. Um, and I absolutely agree with Chris that uh, most of the applications that are now out there for web audio were mainly by early adopters. But I, I am quite surprised at the amount of uh, kind of art slash multimedia projects that have emerged out of this. They are pretty mind-blowing. I mean, I've seen uh, audio visualizations that are insane and uh, 3D specialization of audio, all this time. Because also, with web audio, Coming back to games a little bit, uh, you can also uh, spatialize your 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 audio files and your audio streams. So, if if you're passing th uh, through with a car, you you would hear the Doppler effect uh, without having again to re-download another file. But this, um, I think, there's kind of like a new. It's probably not new because it exists all the time. But like a re-emergence of uh, art and multimedia projects that are done. Just for fun, I guess. Uh, that are also quite quite nice to see to see around. I'm not sure why, but I had like this crazy idea in my head about a a, a fun application that that could use the Web Audio API. So it's like a progressive web app, right, on your phone, and it's like Pokemon Go except for music. And so like you get closer and closer to this spot, and it starts playing the song coming from that spot. Like that sounds like a fun little app to build. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yes. There's actually been, been a couple of interesting applications or games made for, um, for um, blind players. Um, so there was one that was demoed, I think, last year, which was kind of a Pong game, but where instead of like seeing where the bat and the ball were, you could hear them within the virtual environment. And there's been some interesting games around kind of navigating a maze but in the dark and just using your ears and, and spatialization for that. And I think that's, that's quite exciting. Yeah, I think when, when you combine um, technologies um, is when things get interesting. So, like, let's, let's combine web audio and uh, Canvas to make a really cool visualization, or we'll combine web audio with uh, geolocation to do, like, Pokemon Go for audio or, like, whatever. Um, I, I think that um, that's where things kind of get uh, really interesting. You know, lo lots of, as, as you were talking about, lots of the demos to date are very much like, you know, Let's have a couple knobs that you can mess around with and and make a, a you know really sharp sound or like make a really high pitched noise or whatever. But uh, actually um, combining technologies to make really interesting experiences, I, I think is is a future I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and I mean I think I think one of the challenges here is that um, although the language that you program the Web Audio API in JavaScript is kind of familiar to a lot of us and people come to it, suddenly they enter the world of, of Web Audio and they're confronted by a lot of unfamiliar concepts and ones that, I mean, I you know, I I can trace the history of the Web Audio API as it currently exists back to a language that was developed at um, Bell Labs and, and, and in Stanford in the in the late 1950s by um, by Max Matthews and John Chowning's developed it and these are kind of languages that were the very very first some of the very first programs that ran on computers were to do with music you know and and there's actually some very strong similarities between between how those languages worked in the in the 60s on mainframe computers and how the web audio works today, this idea of connecting building blocks together that kind of process your sound using a graph, like that that concept fundamentally hasn't changed in like in 50 years of computer music, and and it's kind of it's embedded in how the web audio works API works, and so when people come to it who are new, they have quite a lot of new terminology and concepts to learn. Um, even though they're kind of working in a familiar environment. And I think in many ways there's parallels with that and uh, something like WebGL. You know, you can't just dive into doing kind of 3D graphics unless you have kind of a, you know, some knowledge of like of that space as well, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I can identify with what Chris just said. I, I didn't have that background. And uh, for me, at the beginning, it was kind of, 
challenging, which is also why I created uh, the Pizzicato, because I found myself kind of abstracting code more, more and more often, and it just took the shape of a library. But um, something that caught my attention was um, a comparison made with uh, the um, radiophonic workshop at the BBC in the early 60s, where they uh, basically they created the effects for TV shows and radio shows like uh, uh, Doctor Who and stuff like that. And from what I understand, uh, they, they plugged audio sources, like um, a guy speaking on a microphone or an oscillator generating a, 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 a signal, and they plugged it in several devices that would somehow edit or, or alter this signal. So maybe they would uh, pump up the gain, maybe they would split the signal into, into, into parts. There were even physical uh, nodes, let's say, that uh, worked to get some reverb or some echo, etc. And after these engineers created this graph, there was an output of the graph which was the sound that they were looking for. And uh, it's super interesting that it is, like you said, it still works like this today. So we have an audio context object which represents kind of our audio workshop where we can create nodes which generate sound or edit sound or can analyze sound. And we create this graph that can be as intricate as you want. And at the end, you have this output of, the, of your graph that you just plug into the context destination and you can hear it in your computer. And something that fascinated me um, is that the BBC which, of course, is pioneer in everything related to audio, including web audio, uh, has a, a, a site in which they recreate this uh, 60 sound, like the voice of the Daleks in, in Doctor Who and stuff like that. Uh, th these physical analog graphs, they recreate them with web audio. And for me, it was fantastic as a, as a learning, let's say, as a learning tool. It was super good. So actually, uh, what you described is really interesting to me. It seems like the web audio API could um, be very similar to what you were talking about, where you have all these boxes that things would come into, and then it would go out and like have reverb and stuff. That sounds very much to me like a stateless function in JavaScript. So is uh, the web audio API is that like um, it? it uh, we haven't really talked about the API itself and how it works, but uh, do you see a lot of functional um, programming paradigms coming out of the, um, you know, working with the web audio API? Or is that uh, space yet to be explored? Um, I, think, I think the concept of the, audio, of the web audio API is, um, yeah, very much based on kind of a, a stream of, of samples, a stream of digitized music that you kind of, you apply some function to use some modification like you know a volume change or add some reverb or delay it by a certain amount and then combine it together and in that way I think you can think of these building blocks as being kind of pure functions and that they're kind of taking audio and passing it on to the next one but the way that you program the web audio API um, in, in, in the browser is, is kind of all of those operations are very expensive for a computer to do really and they're still very expensive in, in, in kind of most normal applications like kind of useful applications. And so the web audio API kind of abstracts that away so that your browser kind of implementer and the browser engine is doing that hard work for you and you're kind of concerned about plugging it together. So I mean, I think uh, rather than thinking of it in terms of functional programming, I think it's more like a declarative language. It's kind of you're kind of telling the browser how you want to connect these building blocks together and you're letting the browser itself figure out the best way of kind of manipulating the samples and the memory in order to achieve that effect. But the web audio API, I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's not yet reached a kind of, you know, it's not fixed, it's an evolving standard like most things are on the web now. And so in the last sort of year, we've, we've seen quite a lot of people making suggestions and changes to make the API more like a, a kind of, a modern sort of JavaScript API. So, so most of the things that do asynchronous operations like decoding of sound or loading samples, they do that using promises and, and those kinds of things. Interesting. Yeah, that, that makes me think, like, I actually just tried to Google for RxJS uh, web audio, and I couldn't find anything, which is too bad. But it sounds like when you said stream, like, these are streams of, of audio, like, that totally in my mind is like, okay, RxJS, like that, you know, um, I feel like that's a that'd be a pretty interesting mesh of technologies. Uh, so if anybody out there likes observables, um, I'd be really interested to see a solution that combines observables with web audio. 
so earlier, Chris, you were talking about um, like even experienced JavaScript developers come into the Web Audio API and they're bombarded with a lot of new terminology and stuff. You know, even back from the the uh, original uh, concept in the 50s. Uh, so. What are some of the confusing parts of the web audio API you're talking about, and, and like the web audio or just audio concepts? And how do you, how would you recommend that people getting into web audio um, get over these these problems? I think I, I was just trying to dig out the link as, as as it occurred to me about this, so that there's a there's a really good, and I'll add it to the to the notes. But there's a really good um, a kind of guided sequence of lessons that take you through within the browser. You can um, you have a little puzzle of like writing the codes to make this particular sound, and you can hear what it's supposed to sound like, and then you write the code and it and and check it against what it's supposed to sound like, and it guides you through a lot of the the concepts of web web audio API. And if I'm running tutorials and workshops to teach people, that tends to be what I use. I think that's a really nice way of doing it. Um, so I think that's kind of a good way of learning the concepts and the, and and how they work. Um, I think the um, Mozilla um, MDN site, so the, the documentation um, that Mozilla have written um, is, is probably the best out there and it's very comprehensive and it also um, has a lot of um, narrative documentation and examples and those kinds of things. Um, the API has changed quite a bit in the last, you know, because it's sort of a moving target, but those implementations have been in the wild for, for, for several years now. But they have changed, and so when you kind of Google and find tutorials and so on, you you sometimes find there's some differences between kind of what's in those and what actually works now. Although, given that it isn't a kind of you know a set in stone standard, I think I think the editors do a really good job of like trying to keep backwards compatibility as well. But but um but yeah, those two those two places, I'll I'll dig out the uh, the kind of the interactive tutorial. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, but also the barrier to entry is really low. I mean, you do open the, the console, and with a few lines, you can make a, you can start making a horrible noise that you don't know how to stop quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yes, <laughs> that is right. And actually, um, I think that there is a lot of of uh, learning curve uh, related to audio engineering itself. But it's also slightly unintuitive at first for JavaScript developers in the sense that. For instance, a couple of things that happened to me at the beginning is that uh, I created an oscillator, which was fantastic. I have my oscillator uh, with the sine wave. I hit play with the oscillator. I heard the horrible noise that I wanted to stop immediately, which I did. And while when trying to restart the oscillator, I found out that it was dead. And um, and then I, I, I mean, it, the, the way you do it is that oscillators are meant to be single-lived, and they, you play once, you stop it, they're dead, they're zombie, you disconnect them and you throw them away. And if you want to, to, to play a, again the same piano note, you have to recreate another oscillator, bring it back, connect it, and play. So the beginning, that seems super wasteful for me, but, uh, but it isn't, and, and, and the browser is optimized for this kind of, of, of operations. But it's just not very intuitive. Or for instance, I was also a bit uh, puzzled at first, why? functions that take parameters through a curve. For example, if I have a sound and I want to put the, vo the volume of this sound to one uh, in two seconds, they never have callbacks. And uh, their timing was a bit different because, as you know, uh, set timeout in JavaScript is not super mega precise, and uh, it can vary depending on how the browser is busy or not, etc. So trying to pair the audio context timing with uh, my JavaScript timing, etc. So it, it took a bit of, of, of getting things together and getting used to programming in a certain way uh, that I think went even beyond the concepts of, of just uh, audio engineering. But, um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, educationally, the, the entry barrier is super low. So it's just a, a bit of awkwardness at first, but then you can definitely get it wrong. I, I, oh, did you have something to say, Chris? No, I was just going to reiterate that, yeah, that what Alex said, the the real challenge of dealing with these three separate clocks in a lot of applications where you've got the the, the, the timer that we're used to with set timeout and those kind of things, that's what's sort of monitoring your user interface. You may have an animation timer for some of the things that are happening, and then you've got this audio timer as well, and you have to kind of synchronize between them. Um, it's... Yeah, it's easy to make mistakes there that will cause your audio to glitch and... Um, and yeah, 
And so keeping an eye out for that. If, if you're getting kind of glitching audio with things that you don't think are particularly complicated, then kind of having a look. Um, Chris Wilson's article, um, which he wrote, which is called, um, for HTML5 Rocks, I think it's called a, a Tale of Two Clocks, does a really good job of explaining that kind of fundamental concept when you start playing with web audio. Awesome. Are there other fundamental concepts about um, like audio in general? Uh, you know, that like you were talking about from the the original language from the fifties. Uh, any other concepts that might trip up beginners? Um, I mean, a, a, an audio processing concept that's kind of baked into the web audio is that this difference between working with sound in what we call the time domain. So, so kind of if you imagine that sound is a waveform and we can describe it as a sequence of numbers, then, then we can process audio by working with that sequence of numbers. It just describe the amplitude of the sound wave at a particular point in time. But for a lot of operations in the web audio and when you're doing things with audio, it's easier to first transform the sound into a frequency domain. And so you think about maybe like a graphic equalizer on your, on your hi-fi or your stereo at home it's much easier to say, like, I want the bass to be a little bit louder and the treble to be a little bit quieter than it is to think about how you would modify waveforms so that it had less bass and less treble. So sometimes it's easier to transform first into frequency and then work with frequencies. And so those concepts come up in the API a little bit and you kind of think, oh, well, why, why in this case frequency and in this case, um, in this case time? Again, like the, the details of that are abstracted away from you nicely by the API, but it's a concept that's kind of yeah, as you get more advanced and you're trying to do certain things, it's it's useful to be familiar with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as I'm getting started in the the web audio API, like my favorite way to learn APIs is to build something. Um, and so what what would be the best um, like approach to like building things with with this API? Should I just like look up the the resources that you mentioned and and start hacking away at stuff? Like how do I um, I don't know, like, how do I explore this API in a way that, like, I can end up with a, a reasonable result uh, at the end with, you know, without getting too frustrated um, at my lack of experience with it? I, I think, I mean, definitely uh, Mozilla's MDN is fantastic, and they do a very good job of, of explaining not only the API itself, but the concepts behind it. Uh, um, there's uh, there's a lot of tutorials out there. I little by little also while I was learning, I created a repo called uh, Web Audio Resources in which I have a section of learning. So these are very simple tutorials that help me get on track. And um, I mean, simple stuff like creating a, a little keyboard that just plays one note with one oscillator. It's already uh, super enlightening and from then on you can start adding effects, you can start adding movement to the sound uh, but I, I guess the only um, thing to be careful of is um, making sure that the tutorials are updated with the current uh, API because uh, it has changed a lot for instance I don't know, there's, there's many changes but the whole script processor I think is said to be uh, deprecated in favor of some sort of uh, web workers approach I, I, there's things like that so that's a bit the hard part that you try to get recent ones uh, because again it's like you said it's a moving target so, yeah. so if I was like let's let's say I am let's say I work for Twitter and I want to add a sound effect for when I click the tweet button I want it to like go tweet or like I want it to go plop or something like that so um, for something like that, can I create that entire sound using uh, just the web audio API, or do I need to have a like a sound file that I you know manipulate, like a, an existing stream that I manipulate to uh, create the sound that I want? You can you can actually go go both ways with it. Um, so so one approach to that thing, which would be a, a nice thing to to try first, would be to um, would be to, to record that sound in some way and then load it up asynchronously in the background when your page is loading and then you can trigger that sound um, uh, on when you mouse over or something or an action happens and, and immediately you start to see with the benefits of the web audio API 
over some other approaches there in that you only have to use this, load the sound and decode it once and you can play it multiple times and you can also overlap it. So if you had lots of things tweeting all over the screen then those sounds would nicely overlap and blend together in a way that would be quite hard to achieve in other ways. Um, but, but yeah, I mean the Web Audio API also provides you with kind of primitives where where you could kind of synthesize that sound yourself. So if, if it was a, a sound that, you know, had a particular a pitch and then maybe a little bit of echo on it and a little bit of distortion or something, then you can actually kind of generate that together. And then you don't have to load any files and decode them at all. And, and your sound there becomes effectively just, you know, three or four lines of code and it will generate the sound. So keeps your page weight down and keeps the number of requests down. Um, but you would, you know, you would have to experiment a little bit to, to do that. But once you've got it, then, you know, then you can do things with that sound that, that you couldn't do if it was all had to be pre-recorded, such as moving it in space and stretching it out and slowing it down and speeding it up and all those things. Yeah, interesting. That that almost makes me think of like the difference between a blog post and a video. With a, a blog post, like you can make changes inside of it, like as you know, if you're talking about a specific API or something, if the API changes, it's really easy to update your blog post. But with a video, if something changes, you need to make an update, you're probably going to just have to re-record the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it sometimes reminds me a little bit of um, people who create um, images or, um, or, or things on the page using kind of pure CSS. And so you, do, you have no image that you have to download and you can kind of manipulate those things in order to kind of enlarge and, and shrink it and move it around um, and you're just kind of declaring it with, with code. Um, so you can do that kind of thing with, with sound um, using, using the API. Cool. So what about, uh, like we were talking earlier, um, a, an explosion in a game, like you know something blows up. Um, could I create that sound with the web audio API? Like, is it is it powerful enough and reasonable enough for me to uh, make like what I would think to be a complex sound and make it sound realistic? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, that there's some effectively there's some kind of underlying physics that's happening when something explodes that you're kind of trying to model and then work out like what how would that um, how would that sound and so. So I might start with what's called white noise, which is kind of just just a hiss. You know, it's it's sound of all frequencies, the kind of thing you get when you have a detuned radio. Um, but I might think, well, if I want an explosion, I probably want to filter that, so I've got a bit more kind of booming kind of bass and a bit less high frequency. And then I might want to kind of echo that around and double it up and put it in the reverberant thing, so it sounds like a boom. And you know, I mean, there's you know, there's various approaches that you could do. Uh, Something like an explosion is is quite tricky. Uh, the physics that's involved, but but if you're trying to synthesize, uh, you know, uh, an instrument like a, a flute or a clarinet, you know, then the physics is much simpler, and you can get something that sounds a little bit convincing quite quickly. So, if I were doing that, would you recommend that I I try to do that with the Web Audio API, or would you uh, would you say like a pre-recorded thing might be a little bit better? I think I think it really depends on your application. It does. Um, one of the nice things about working with pre-recorded sounds in web audio is that you can index directly into a part of your buffer. So, so one of the things that you could do is is almost like when you use kind of sprites in CSS and you have like lots and lots of tiny images, but you kind of use CSS to offset them. You can do the same kind of thing with audio. So you can just download and decode the file once, and then when you need the explosion, just jump straight into that point and then loop it for a, for a short snippet, for example, or those kinds of things. So you can, depend depending on what you're you're trying to do. Obviously, if you need to pre-record everything, then you know then you kind of have to do that work outside of the browser, and so that's a different set of tools. And you know, but you might be able to find some samples and those kind of things that will get you started. Yeah. So. Um... I guess audio synthesis is possible in web audio to, an, to a very large extent. It's, it's, it's tricky not only in web audio, in life, <laughs> synthesis is, is a bit tricky. But uh, web audio is not only audio synthesis. It's um, like loading an external file, like, like you just said, um, gives you a manipulation that you don't have with the audio HTML tag, that you do have with uh, web audio. And it's not only loading and reading and synthesizing, it's also analyzing audio um, and, and seeing waveforms and creating visual stuff or, or, or pure numeric analysis of the, of the audio. I mean, it, it goes, I think, beyond the pure synthesization of, of, of sounds. 
Cool. Um, oh, yeah. There, so there was, um, in this Google Doc, we also, somebody wrote in here, Web MIDI. Uh, does anybody want to talk about uh, MIDI? Um, in, like, is it the same or different from Web Audio? Yeah, so, I, yeah sorry, go, go ahead, Alex. Okay. Uh, well, the thing, and that's one of the technologies I'm super excited about because um, with WebAudio you can create uh, kind of instruments, really. Like you can synthesize sounds and create custom sounds and in, in instruments, and it's super fun. But the reality is that, um, like, the computer peripherals are not super good for for audio interfacing. Like, I mean, of course, you you can play a little piano with your computer keyboard and with your mouse clicking on the keys, but it's not made for it, and uh, you lose some parameters like the force which we, with which you're hitting the key and stuff like that. And uh, MIDI is basically an, an interface, uh, um, a standard of for, for musical devices, and it's been around since early 80s, I think. And um, that means that it has many, many years that music manufacturers that that you know have their business in music instruments have created uh, things to play music with, that we can now pull up all this information in Chrome. And uh, for instance, I, I pulled up an old uh, little keyboard that I have here. So this is a full-sized uh, keyboard that is it's purely MIDI. And I also have a little uh, like electric drum set. So all of these things, I can just take the data with with my browser, which is insane, and um, and it's also a very simple uh, protocol. So it, it's when I hit a piano key or or a, or a drum pad, uh, there's a little array with three values. That's it, and the values uh, the first value tells me what happened. So it's what's an, a note on or a note off or something like that in which channel it happened. The second array is the note, and the third array is the force, I think, uh, or the strength. So. It gives you so much more expression and and uh, and means to do things, and that combined with web audio and with all the other APIs in HTML5 and in the browsers, uh, I don't know, it's, it's super exciting. And I think interestingly, with with web MIDI is 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 actually, um, it's it's kind of been adopted much more widespread than web audio has at this stage, and so um, so I met a friend of mine from Yamaha in Japan a few weeks ago and just round the corner from me here in Camden in London there's a company called Novation and both of these companies have just released products that you can buy for you know several hundred uh, pounds synthesizers and keyboards and and instead of shipping a which they used to do shipping a CD-ROM that we you would use to to configure the the, the device and 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 upload new firmware and and modify patches using their computer, they now just tell you to go to a website and connect it. And at the moment, they have to say, do that in Chrome. <laughs> but Firefox it, MIDI implementation is coming really soon, I think. And uh, um, and so then it was, you know, work more. But, but for those manufacturers, this is a, you know, this is a really exciting thing for them because they can they can connect their instruments to the web and allow their, their users, the musicians, to share patches between each other and build communities around the instruments and so on. It's actually the take-up of that has been has been a lot more rapid and and uh, at a higher level than than I expected. It, it's really quite exciting. Oh, that's great! Oh, I love the web web platform. It does the coolest things for our our world. Oh, that's so awesome. Very cool. Um, so we're winding down on our time. Uh, and just a reminder to those watching, um, you can ask questions with the hashtag JSRQuestion on Twitter. We do have one that I'm excited to ask. But before we get into those, um, I just want to open up the uh, the floor for you all to say whatever it is that you'd like to, uh, to mention that we haven't already covered. I guess we've covered everything. <laughs> we covered quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. We'll, we'll jump into uh, the Twitter questions. Um, feel free, anybody watching live, to ask further questions if you have some. So, uh, Tero Parvivian, I'm pretty sure... No, I, I didn't say his name right. I, I always get it wrong. Sorry, Tero. But um, the question is, do you use any special tooling while developing web, web audio apps? Any tricks to share for inspecting things through DevTools? Yeah, I've got a couple of things that I use frequently. Um, so if you use Firefox, and I, th I think maybe 
Maybe you have to have the developer edition, but maybe it's in the main line now. There's actually in the developer tools, there's a web audio developer tool, which allows you to kind of inspect the graphs that you've been building and modify them. Um, so that's very useful. And the web audio team um, in Chrome, um, uh, uh, Raymond and Hongchan, they, they've built a tool called Canopy, which is a kind of scratch pad in the browser that allows you to visualize what the audio looks like and then change the code and, and hear it. And it's a very, very useful tool, and that's called Canopy. Um, and I think there's kind of enhanced, the, the, those two told me there's enhanced kind of tools coming into, into Chrome soon too for kind of developer tools. Um, those things are very useful. Cool. Alejandro, did you have any tips? Uh, it's basically the same. There's also a, um, a third-party plugin in Chrome that does the, the audiograph uh, visualization. Uh, but, I mean, I, I tried it. it. It's pretty good. It can get a bit choked up if there's too much. Uh, but, yeah, those tools are always good. And in general, while coding projects, it's also good to have, like, a little div with the, with the um, analyzer to make sure that you see the, the time domain or the frequency domain of the data you're manipulating to see if the effects are playing correctly and stuff like that. It's, it's a useful tip. Great. All right. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, that's it. We don't have another uh, question from Twitter. So I think let's go ahead and we'll jump into our tips and picks. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, my tip is I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now because uh, Taro, the one who um, asked the question, uh, also tweeted at me earlier during our conversation, and he said, my NG Europe talk will have RxJS and web audio. So it's like exactly what I was thinking. Sounds really awesome. And so my tip is to, I'll, I'll put this uh, link in the show notes later, but um, check out his talk when it comes out, or when, uh, watch it live. I imagine NG Europe is, is going to be live, and I guess that is coming up um, October 25th and 26th. Unfortunately, I will be at a different conference at that time, but I'll check it out later. And uh, Taro actually gave a fantastic talk at ng-conf um, uh, just a couple months ago about uh, visualizations and um, stuff. It's just really, really cool stuff. I recommend that you check out pretty much everything that Taro does because he's awesome. Um, and then, so my, my pick is a self-pick. I do these um, probably every week, actually. I was going to say occasionally, but let's be honest here. Um, but uh, it's a module that I wrote called PS, P-S. You can find it on NPM. Um, but the tagline is, all the benefits of NPM scripts without the cost of a bloated package JSON and limits of JSON. So, yeah, it's basically, it's like a really nice in-between um, NPM scripts and, um, and Gulp. Uh, it's, yeah, really simple. So I recommend you check it out. Sweet. Um, Chris, why don't we have you go next? Oh, those two sound those two sounds great, and I'm going to check those out. Um, uh, so just a couple from me. So very quickly, just a little plug for the Slack channel, the Web Audio Slack channel. The, I'll put the notes um, in the document too. Um, very kind of welcoming and friendly group of people over in that Slack channel talking about Web Audio and sharing some ideas. There's a couple of like local community groups as well, one in London, one in Berlin, uh, one in Philadelphia. So for people who want to organize local meetups. And most of the... The, the spec editors and, and the people who are kind of involved in implementations are there too, so you get kind of quite quite good uh, quite good kind of information from the horse's mouth. And my other pick was um, not computer related, so when I'm not sat in front of a screen, I uh, I enjoy woodworking, and so one of the I have a small apartment here in London and no room for kind of big expensive uh, noisy machines, so I do all my woodwork using traditional methods and. Uh, and I love the publishing company over in the States called Lost Art Press, who do uh, beautiful books about woodworking to help you um, learn how to do that and, and get away from the screen. And yeah, they're, they're a good blend of kind of embracing the kind of digital world, but also making kind of paper things that are beautiful and lovely to touch and have in your house. So. It's good to have other interests as well and get away from the screen every now and then. Um, Alejandro. Thanks, that, that's super interesting. Um, for me, my pick, there is a, a, um, a site uh, called Chrome uh, Music Lab Experiments. 
and it's super good because they combine. If actually I don't know why I didn't mention before, but uh, you were asking how could I get started with the audio terminology and concepts. Etc. I think that is a fantastic place to go because you have these very nice, cutesy, very well designed animations that respond to the concept that they're trying to show in a very graphical way. So you have the concept of harmonics, of oscillators, of chords, everything. So uh, yeah, I spent ages there just moving around the little things and animations and seeing the little oscillators jump, and it's just fantastic. And uh, for my tip, uh, I mean, I guess I was thinking of programming, but it applies to other disciplines as well, is to get kind of your, hand, your hands dirty. And at the beginning, I mean, of course, you have to read stuff and, 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 and uh, investigate, but doing things and iterating in little chunks uh, I think for me brings me much more closer to my objectives than than pure theory, and it also l lets me see the um, the tricky parts quite early. So, I mean, unless you're doing parachuting, uh, try to jump in early and uh, make mistakes and iterate. So that's it for me. Cool. Um, I actually had another tip I totally forgot because I was excited to talk about tarot, but. Um, my tip is um, go out and make a Chrome extension to make that tweet sound effect I was talking about. Uh, so if, if you want to get into web audio, like seriously, the best way to learn something is to build something with it and then go out and teach people about it. So um, for the thing that you build, I would love to get a tweet about a Chrome extension that adds like a little plop or like a little tweet every single time I hit the tweet button. Uh, that would be cool. I might. I might disable it later because I tweet a lot and that might get annoying. But I don't know. It'd be all, like I, I haven't had this experience before. So um, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Um, sweet. So let's uh, just I'll wrap things up. So um, yeah, this has been a great show. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming. So just uh, closing announcements. Um, Want to give out a shout out to our silver sponsors. First, React.js program from Tyler McGinnis. Uh, master the React.js ecosystem. They're uh, awesome. Check them out. Um, and Sentry is cross-platform crash reporting, so check them out also. Um, I have a couple links here to forms. Uh, first is jsair.io slash suggest. So if you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest or both, uh, then go to that form and fill it out. I must be honest, I have a very long backlog. Uh, people are excited to give me suggestions, and I appreciate that. Um, please be patient with me while I um, come up with um, the time to, to do all the suggestions. Uh, and then feedback, jsair.io slash feedback. Uh, we'll take you to a feedback form. You can give us feedback on the entire show or specific shows. Uh, really appreciate that feedback. And then jsair.io slash email will take you to our email newsletter. Um, i got to be honest, I'm not 100% certain that, that that's going to continue forever. So if you, um, if you want that to continue happening, please let me know in the feedback. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. With that, I think... Um, I'll just give, yeah, oh yeah, a couple other announcements. So next week we're going to be talking about uh, functional programming uh, or typed functional programming in JavaScript uh, with Phil Freeman, Jordan Walk, uh, Richard Field, uh, Feldman, and Alfonso Garcia-Caro. Um, it's going to be a really good show. I'm really excited about this show. Uh, so check that out next week. And as always, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus to keep up with the latest. And with that, um, I think we're all done. So Thank you very much, Alejandro and Chris, for coming. This has been a great discussion. Thanks, Thank Ken. you very much. We'll see you. Bye.